0: Tonight is study number 12 of Genesis chapter 8. And we're going to begin reading once again in verse 8. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. And the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her. And pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening. And lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days. And he sent forth the dove which return not again unto him anymore i'll stop reading there now we've been discussing the spiritual meaning the, the deeper spiritual meaning of this portion of the flood account after the water is starting to go down the tops of the mountains are seen the ar- the window of the ark is open noah At that point, sends forth a raven, and he also sent forth a dove to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. And we saw in our last study, um, we spent some time continuing to discuss what Jesus said that there would be a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We read that in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist was speaking of Christ. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Then later Jesus, in talking to James and John, the sons of thunder, says to them, or well, he asks them first, will you be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And they answer, yes. Then Jesus says, yes, you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. And so he confirms it. The Lord does tell James and John they will, future tense, be baptized with a baptism that Jesus also is baptized with. And baptism, as we've learned, is much more than a sprinkling with water or or, or just simply taking a sign of water baptism when the Bible speaks of baptism by the Holy Ghost, well, that involves the washing away of sin, the purging of sin, which was accomplished at the foundation of the world, but the demonstration of that was performed by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross in 33 AD, actually beginning in the Garden of Gethsemane, up until the cross, and it is performed by the body of Christ, by the whole company of the elect, that's how God views it anyway, in the day of judgment. That's when they will make an appearance or be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ and it's, it's the time God is pouring out his wrath upon the wicked of the world and Therefore, that's what baptism is. It is the scourging, the washing with fire to purge away sin. And that is done through the meeting out of the cup of the wrath of God through punishment. And the elect of God are left on the earth in the day of judgment for this appearance of baptism. It's not the actual baptism, no, they were baptizing Christ again at the foundation of the world. But it is a tableau. They're going to perform a living demonstration. And 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 that's exactly what's been happening since we entered into the Day of Judgment on the date of May 21, 2011. So we spent some time discussing baptism then we saw in first Peter 3 and we've gone to this verse several times but let's do it again in first Peter 3 beginning in verse 20 which sometime now I'd like to correct that because the Greek word actually means a four time and and when we read sometime uh, we think sometimes people are disobedient sometimes they're not it doesn't mean that it means in old time, aforetime, while aforetime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing, were in few that his eight souls were saved by water. So we have all the ingredients that, that we find in the flood account in Genesis chapter eight. We, uh, except for the long suffering, uh, in in chapter eight, it's over and done with. God's already brought the flood, but we have Noah, we have the ark that is in a finished condition, we have the eight souls inside the ark, we have the water, and we have them being saved, as it says here. The eight souls were saved by water, then. There's, there's a link. There's a connection made. In other words, what these things represent, or actually the spiritual meaning of the flood of Noah, the ark, uh, the eight souls inside the water, and so forth, the, the spiritual meaning is, is going to be helped with the next statement in verse 21 of 1 Peter 3. The like figure. Now, when we read, the kingdom of heaven is like, or Adam was a figure of him that was to come, and, and here we have both put together, the like figure. We know, it, uh, we definitely know, to look for a spiritual uh, association, a spiritual tie-in. And in this case, what is it going to tie in with? The ark, Noah, the souls inside, the water that's outside, and here is the identification with the flood. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. You see how God is making this Tie. He he's the one. Uh, you know we we can see actually the figure of it in Genesis seven, Genesis eight, as the the whole earth is submerged in water, and the water goes fifteen cubits above the highest mountain, and baptism is the washing away of sin. The world was contaminated with sin. Uh, mankind was. Uh, desperately wicked. The thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. God places the sinner and the sin-cursed creation into the water with, for cleansing, for uh, purging, washing away of the sin and all taint of sin. And that's the judgment, the wrath of God. Or that's the figure of, that's the figure of baptism. But they're, they're all gone. They're destroyed. Because when man has his sins washed away, when the sinner, in other words, that has not a Savior, has to experience the wrath of God to purge with fire, to wash away his own sin, what's going to happen to the sinner? He'll be dead forever. And where are the people that were outside the ark? They're dead forever. So, in that sense, they were baptized. They had their sins washed away. But they have no strength or power of spirit to return to life in themselves. And they remain dead. And that's how it will be with the final judgment of all the wicked of the earth. They will be washed, finally, with the wrath of God, yet have no ability to overcome death and to return back to life. So they will be annihilated, destroyed forevermore, and in that sense, it, it'll be a baptism of the wicked. But the elect were the eight souls. Noah, his wife, his three sons, their wives. They're inside of the ark, and they experience deliverance. They have refuge. And they find salvation. The water of baptism does not destroy them. But in this case, it says they're saved by water. Now, let's read verse 21 in 1 Peter 3 again. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. And, and uh, I'll continue reading. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, did you notice anything there? Did you notice parentheses? There's a parenthetical thought that follows uh, the statement, Bapt- uh, the like figure went to even baptism, doth also now save us, parentheses, and and then there's this pretty long sentence. And then finally, the parentheses close. And then there's a little statement at the end. It, it's very reminiscent of Romans chapter 1. And remember in verse 3, uh, we know that God is speaking of the Lord Jesus. And it says of him in verse 4, "...and declared to be the Son of God with power." And then there is a middle statement, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And we found it very helpful to remove the middle statement so we can see the flow of thought. And I'll do it again. In Romans 1, verse 4, Jesus is declared to be the Son of God, and then at the end, by or through the resurrection from the dead. You see how that's helpful so we can see in what way he's declared to be the Son of God, and then we see it's through the resurrection of the dead. Now, the other information's important, and one thing that that other information does, or one purpose it serves, is to hide truth. There's other purposes there, but at this point, it's not the area we're looking into. Now, back in First Peter 3, what happens... If we read the beginning of verse 21 up until the parentheses open, then we read the end of verse 21 after the parentheses close, and we leave out everything within the parentheses. Let's, let's read it again. I'll start back in verse 20. While the ark was a preparing, wherein few that is eight souls were saved by water, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, and then to the end of the verse, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, there is a continuing thought there, but that very long sentence in the middle, uh, it, it serves to sort of, um, you lose track of the first part of the statement because it's so long. But we see that, again, baptism saves us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then that ties in with John the Baptist baptizing the Lord Jesus. He baptized him. Christ came up out of the water, picturing the resurrection. And then the dove made its appearance. The declaration was made, Behold, or, or my beloved son whom I am well pleased. And what's significant here in first Peter three is how we have that same idea that baptism is a figure that the like figure of baptism, um, doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and yet it's clearly related To the flood, to the ark, to Noah, to the water that saved the eight souls. And there's really, I think, no mistaking it, that God is, without confusion, letting us know that what happened to the ark is a picture of death or uh, baptism and Resurrection, the coming up out of the water, the, the baptism of Christ in whom we were baptized with at the foundation of the world, but then the baptism that we shall be baptized with, his baptism that we will partake of. And, you know, this all relates to the suffering of Christ. Uh, for instance, as it says in First Peter 4, in verse 13 but rejoice that as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed you may be glad also with exceeding joy Christ was baptized and then in a manifestation a tableau he was baptized again we were baptized in him and now at this present time in the day of judgment in a tableau in a living Demonstration, the people of God are being baptized again, baptized by the Holy Spirit as we are going through the wrath of God. And the Lord uses the flood as a historical example, picturing this baptism of His people that will occur in the end time within the day of judgment. And, and that's why May 21, 2011 has the underlying Hebrew calendar date of the 17th day of the second month, which is the very day the flood began. And, and so as we continue along, uh, going through a prolonged period of wrath or God's judgment on the world, we are uh, really, um, sort of following the flood account as the people of God were protected by the destructive water, yet uh, saved by it in a sense. And so it's the same spiritually with the spiritual waters of the word of God at this time. Well, all right, I think we spent a good deal of time on that. Now let's look at another aspect of the dove being sent forth. Verse 8 Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. Verse 9, But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Again, Noah is a type of Christ. And so, it is Noah sending forth the dove. Christ, eternal God, sends forth the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, also eternal God. Historically, Noah sent forth the dove. And and then what happened? Well, the dove flew out of the window of the ark and flew east, or it flew west, or it flew north, or it flew south. It, It really doesn't matter which direction it flew. But it flew in whatever direction it did, and we're told she found no rest for the sole of her foot because the waters were in the face of the whole ark. So she returned. We don't know how long it was. Maybe she flew for an hour or two. But eventually, this dove is not a stupid creature. It was looking for what it was accustomed to before it was placed on the Ark, which was some type of land, some type of tree, um, some piece of dry ground. And, and so it flew all around the world, we could say, in, in the small little segment that it was in, all around the area, and it realized that everything is under water, And so it returned to the ark. Noah put forth his hand. What does the hand represent in the Bible? The hand or foot represents the will of the one in view. In this case, it's Noah or Christ or eternal God. And he put forth his hand. He took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. So the dove is safely brought back. It's returned to the ark. And, uh, you know, we, we have some questions. I don't think we have all the answers. But we know, historically, uh, we don't have questions. We understand everything's underwater. It's too early. Um, there there was just no place for the dove to land. It's actually very straightforward. But spiritually, it leaves us with several questions. And again, I don't think we know the answers to them all. We know who Noah represents. We know uh, uh, Jesus. We know the dove is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And so let's start there. All right, the dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Now, On the 17th day of the second month, when the flood began, where did the dove go to? And the answer is, it went inside the ark. And in going inside the ark, and then the door shut, the dove was inside the ark, a picture of the Holy Spirit, and therefore not outside the ark. And outside the ark was the world, it was where there were many creatures, including, yes, other doves in the world uh, and and men. But these outside the Ark were all going to be destroyed. So we can't say any of the doves outside the Ark represent the Holy Spirit, because those doves would have drowned in the flood, just like all the other animals. They would have perished. And, and so the dove that represents the Holy Spirit went into the ark, into the safety of the ark, and in doing so removed itself from the world that was beginning to experience the judgment of God. As God opened up the windows of heaven, and the rain came down, and and water from beneath, and the deluge occurred, and for 40 days and 40 nights it rained, and and then if there were any living doves outside the ark, they quickly drowned, and by the time we reach the end of 40 days and 40 nights, well, let's say what the Bible says, by 150 day mark, the waters prevailed above the earth, and and there were 15 cubits above the highest mountains, and everything with the breath of life was dead. All doves in the world were dead. Only the doves on board the ark. The dove that is being utilized by Noah, the one that God is using to picture the Holy Spirit, was on the ark. It was with Noah, with his family, with the animals there, and not with man outside of the ark's shut door, and not with any other creatures in the world. So that's the first thing that we can see that there was a removing of the operation of the Spirit of God at the start of Judgment Day, and uh, until we get to the point where God makes that statement, remember, where the waters were appeased because everything's dead. It's after five months. And, and everything with the breath of life in all the world is well under water, and drowned and they are dead. And, and God's wrath was pacified. So it's not long after that that the dove makes its first appearance. That when the window of the ark opens up, remember that ark is really uh, picturing, and the window is is picturing um, the kingdom of God, and and all those that are saved are within Christ and within the kingdom of heaven. Uh, That's the language of the Bible. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, although we didn't even move from our own home, we didn't leave the earth in any way, but it's all spiritual as, as it applies to the end time, our present time. And so the Holy Spirit is with God in the kingdom of heaven, with the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, and with all of God's elect typified by Noah and the clean animals. They have the dove and, and so too, as the Lord's people continue to live in the world in the day of judgment, they're alive and remain. God's Spirit is with them. And it must be that way, because the Bible tells us that once saved, always saved, and he will never leave nor forsake thee. And and that statement is made to one of God's elect. The Holy Spirit cannot depart from a true child of God. Although God can forsake us, to try us, and that's another story. But, but as far as the actual indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, that remains. And, and so we're not surprised from the 17th day of the second month, all the way until everyone's dead, until the window opens, the dove is with everyone inside the ark. The Holy Spirit is with God, his kingdom, and all of his elect. Thanks for joining us for e Fellowship's evening Bible studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, E-Bible Fellowship's webcast audio or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.